Arboria. My name is Vivian Gabor, and I have the distinct pleasure today of sitting down with New York's own Virginia Thick. Hello. Yes. Hi. How are you? I am so good. I feel so like I've followed you on Instagram for so many years and just like admired you from afar. So <laughs> <laughs> admired you Aww, from afar, and I'm so you. excited to sit down and talk to you today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. My pleasure. Um, so uh, let's just start off. Tell me a little bit about um, how you started drag, why you started drag, all of that fun kind of stuff. Yeah. All the fun. Okay. All the fun questions. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I started drag about two and a half years ago when I moved to New York. Um, I guess it was a natural evolution because back in California, I was a go-go boy and I figure all go-go boys, if they stay in nightlife, kind of just do that transition over <laughs> into drag. Um, yeah, I just was always a fan of drag. Um, I've watched Drag Race in season one. Um, that's kind of when I learned about it, that and in the nightclubs and stuff like that and always been a fan about it. And then um, when I moved to New York, I was like, why don't I just do it? I don't know anybody. If I go out and I fail the first time, <laughs> I have no friends, so like I won't be embarrassed. Um, yeah. And the rest is history. I went out, I had fun, and I kept going out. So that's, that's awesome. So you, so you didn't yeah. grow up here. Where are you? Are you from California originally, or? Yeah, born and raised in California, um, San Francisco. Went to school in LA. Did a little bit of time in San Diego, and then back to San Francisco for about nine years before I moved here. Nice. I haven't spent much time yeah. in San Francisco. I've spent quite a bit of time in LA um my mm -hmm. so like my entire idea of San Francisco is basically just Pier 54 and Telegraph Hill so okay <laughs> that's pretty much all there is <laughs> it's, um it reminds me a, it reminds me a lot of New York like it's a very old city so it has mm -hmm. like all the old architecture it's very diverse um lots of things to do um very very open with their thinking so it's it reminds me of just like a mini New York. So when I moved here, everything kind of felt a little familiar. I was like, oh, like Brooklyn's like Oakland. Um, and I can just kind of pinpoint everything that make it feel a little more like at home. Mm -hmm. I had that same feeling yeah. when I moved to New York of just trying to like figure out, okay, this borough is this suburb and this borough, this suburb. And <laughs> it's New York is such, I mean, I grew, so I grew up in, in Seattle. So I'm also a West uh -huh. Coast baby. Um, and moving to New York was such a weird experience because it's such a huge city and I yes. don't think people here who like grew up here realize how big it is <laughs> no well it's very like deceiving like it reminds me of going to Vegas like for the first time because like you mm. go to Vegas and you're like oh I'm gonna like walk down the block it's only four hotels I can see the other side two hours later you're still walking we're like New York you like you go to the roof and you can like see all like I'm on the east side of Manhattan so you can see like the Hudson River and like, oh, it's not far. I can just walk there. 
<laughs> two hours later, you're like yeah. still walking. So it's very deceiving in that fact. Like it's not that big. You can see everything. And then and then mm-hmm. it's just you're walking forever. There's nothing worse than deciding to walk somewhere and realizing that it's not just like walking a few streets up or down, but you have to walk like three avenues over and you're just oh. like, nope, I'm not walking anymore. I'm done. <laughs> That's the worst. Like I'm really far east. So like to the like the subway stations, like a three avenue walk. So every morning oh I'd be like a nice little trek. Just, just a nice little mile log walk a few streets. Cardio. Over. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so what got you started on the the go-go dancing track? I feel like I'm friends with so many go-go dancers and I've never asked them uh-huh. like why they started. <laughs> um, you get paid to dance and drink and everyone pays attention to you. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little bit easier than drag because you don't have to like think of this whole character. You just buy a nice pair of underwear. But um, no, it's a great, it was like a second job. Like I did have a day job and that was my night job. So I just got, you know, you get paid cash and you go in, you have to get paid to have fun and mm-hmm. That was it. And then, you know, you you dance one night and someone else do to dance the next night and the next night. And then before you know it, it's been three years. And <laughs> you own every pair of Andrew Christian underwear they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's like every go-go's mm-hmm. story. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's... I always loved... I, I I used to joke a lot that the go-go dancers liked me more than, a, than the drag queens did. And it was only because I tipped them more. <laughs> but see I think like growing up in nightlife you learn that like with drag like Mm -hmm. you learn like just like you know every time I go out you find their go-go's you give them some money you find the drag queens you give them some money you tip the bartender as well like I was like when I first came out I just started go-go dancing so like you just get brought up in that culture and you really Mm -hmm. get ingrained which was like great like support local nightlife and so back at home and when I first moved here it was like okay I'm in a bar for the first time find the go-go's find the bartenders find the drag queens and like you know what to do yeah and so you've only been doing drag for two and a half years you said yeah two and a half your makeup is so good (laughs) (laughs) where where did that come from um just youtube videos i mean it's like the modern age so Mm -hmm. um that's my favorite part about drag. Like when I would watch drag shows and like live or on TV, like I was always drawn to the drag queen with like the crazy makeup, whether it was like really avant-garde or just like really, really good. Um, so when I started drag, that's just kind of what drew me to it. Like my favorite part of drag is like putting on the makeup, getting in the full fantasy, getting all dressed. And then like, I'm like, well, okay. That was my favorite part. <laughs> now I have to perform? To to what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where I feel most other queens, especially here in New York, they're like, they just want to be on stage. Like throw a wig on, throw some lipstick on and they'll dance and tell jokes. Where I'm like, no, I want like the full five hour fantasy of getting ready. <laughs> that to me is my drag. Like, if you've seen the new season of Drag Race, like with Kamora Hall, like how uh-huh. she like left in the work, like that's me. Like I feel for her. I'm like, girl, they're rushing your fantasy. This is all you want to do is get ready. Right? <laughs> you don't want to dance. You don't want to sing. You we, just want to be. We pretty. need another. We need another Drag Race that's just like, okay, we're gonna give them like six hours every week to just get ready and Kiki in the back room and like, yeah. I feel like it would be so much fun. Like that's what I've enjoyed about this season's Untucked is it's be, mm-hmm. we're able to kind of see what it's actually like for drag queens backstage versus Untucked usually is very dramatic and very just like, yes. love versus like 
the last couple of weeks, it's just a bunch of queens sitting around like, oh, we're between numbers. Just tell me, <laughs> tell me something that's going to keep me awake for the rest of the show. Like, <laughs> exactly. The only difference is not three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're like, drinking the bubbles instead of like vodka exactly. crayons. <laughs> they're seven through vodka crayons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me about your influences about like how did how did you find your way through the YouTube makeup scene like how did you how did you arrive at where you're at yeah uh I like first I just started googling like you know drag makeup how to block your eyebrows how to do foundation but I think that it's kind of a pet peeve of mine but like it's also kind of how I learned was when I would watch makeup tutorials like I wouldn't just watch where they would put like the highlight or the eyeliner or the eyeshadow, I would kind of listen to why they're doing it there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do darker towards the middle of your eyes, it's going to make your eyes go, you know, seem like they're more inset. And then if you do uh, your highlight higher on your cheek, it's going to make your cheeks look higher. So um, I was kind of learning that instead of where to put it, of why they're using that makeup product. And then I would just sort of apply it to my face. And once I figured out how to kind of change my face, um, I just got hooked and I was like, oh, if I can make my cheekbones that high, I wonder if I can make them this high, if I can make my <laughs> eyes that long, I wonder if I can even longer. So um, yeah, like that's kind of what just drew it to, like drew me to it. It's like being able to physically change my face. Mm. It's, it's a fun, it's a really fun skill. And I find myself often when I get into drag, if I'm going out in drag, specifically if I'm performing, I'll like, keep all as soon as I'm done performing I'll take all of my drag off except for my face and just keep my face on all night just because I'm like this is all the fantasy I need like I don't need my damn corset right. like let me breathe let me eat no, get that off. go to the bathroom yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um so yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about um your your story in terms of how you came out in um, growing up in San Francisco, like I honestly, I don't think I've ever, this is sound really terrible. I don't think I've ever talked to someone from San Francisco about their like life stories. And yeah. I feel like growing up in Seattle, it's very similar. Like we, mm-hmm. there's definitely sister cities. Yes. But yeah, tell me, um, tell me I all the like things. Co- coming out was, um, I came out a little bit later. So I came out in my early twenties. Um, I'm a little bit older than a lot of the other drag queens or newer <laughs> drag queens out here. Um, so I think like I grew up, I don't know, like it, I don't, it's, I don't know. Wow. No one's ever asked me to like, <laughs> sound deep. Um, no, you, you know, it took me a while to realize that like I was gay to actually come out. And then it was one of those things where at that point I was already being made fun of for it. So like, you know, if I actually admitted it to myself, that means all those people bullying me, you know, would be, would be right. And I didn't want them to be right. Um, so like any gay person that was in the closet, I hung out with like, like all the popular girls, all the popular girls at school. So like all the jocks couldn't really be mean to me. Um, and then um, kind of going off to college, I kind of just, I had, okay. So college, graduated college, and then I was working and I had a couple coworkers there who were older than me, but still in the closet. And everyone knew, everyone talked about it. Like, are they just gonna come out? Everyone knows that they're gay. They were never pressuring them. They were always really mm-hmm. nice and welcoming and wanted them to share that. Um, and then it kind of just hit me like one day, I was like, I don't want to live that life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in my forties and have everyone know what I know, but me not be, like, be able to talk about it. So 
um uh there was just one day I was like okay that's it and I texted my sister and she was the first person I told <laughs> and I asked her to tell my parents she did it so then I told my parents <laughs> and then it was just like the band-aid ripped off and then at that point like I just felt like the weight completely lifted off and um I wasn't scared to tell anybody anymore or to just be myself mm. um yeah that's my coming out story in a nutshell it seems so to, to someone who didn't grow up in San Francisco it seems so weird with the stereotype surrounding San Francisco that people would have to even think about coming out um, because I mean the the stereotype of San Francisco is just it's the gay city it's where everyone goes to be gay um, it is but I think I just been a little like I think I miss like that generational gap a little like I mm-hmm. just cut the line where like you know like there was still just like one or two gay people at school um, and everyone knew they were gay and, uh, you know, they had their close friends, but they weren't really welcomed by the entire school. And yeah. so you, you know, in high school, you just want to be cool and popular. So you kind of just like pretend to be something you're not. And then I just feel like I just went in that whole direction of like trying to be straight so hard that it never crossed my mind. Like if you just come out, you can also be yourself. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, speaking as someone who was born in the nineties, early 90s aka 1990 um <laughs> okay see i'm way before that. <laughs> um it was i mean it was still it was still a very weird it was a weird time and like i didn't yeah. i was thinking about it the other day and i didn't even really i don't think to be fair i was homeschooled but i don't think i even heard <laughs> the word gay until i was i don't know 11 10 11 yeah and and so it's hard to figure out who you are when you don't have those things around you saying this, this is a thing that other people have as well. Yeah. And you don't like, yeah, you don't really have that growing up. My mom had a gay friend, but it was coming out of like the AIDS epidemic. So there was Mm -hmm. kind of that stigma. She never really had, you could always tell it was there, you know, but like she never said it out loud. Um, and he, they were on and off friends. So not a good like gay person to although the person you know is like very dramatic. Um and then yeah, dramatic? Kind of, I don't know what that I a dramatic gay now person. Now I'm like not something I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you have all that, like that was the only reference like a gay person until like Will and Grace came out mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. But at that point, you know, I was trying so hard to be straight that there was nothing, nothing could change that. You know, I was gonna die straight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, until like you kind of open up and realize. Yeah, until I saw those coworkers and I was like, "This is mis- they look miserable. I can't, yeah. I can't do that. I can't be miserable anymore." Did you grow up in a religious household then, or was it just something that you didn't talk about? It was just, I guess, it was just something we didn't really talk about. You know, I had girlfriends in middle school and high school because that was the thing to do. <laughs> um, but um, no, we just never really talked about it. So I guess it was kind of the more you don't talk about it, the more awkward and uncomfortable it gets. And I think just after years and years and years, it just got yeah. so uncomfortable and so awkward that you just continue to not talk about it. Yeah. You just kind of shove it down. Yeah. about it. Yep. You <laughs> this, push, this is the gay it, box. It, it <laughs> exactly. And no one will find out except for everybody new. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing. I mean, for me, I came out as a drag queen before I even came out as gay because it seemed easier. I was just like, <laughs> drag queens are theater. I could tell my parents I was doing like live theater. It was easy. And it wasn't, I mean, I didn't come out to my parents till like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. 
Like, really? not, I mean, they knew, they knew, right. but it wasn't like the official words. The official words were not said yeah. until like 2019, which is mind blowing to me now. But <laughs> same. Ugh. I mean, I did that little like by stepping stone where like, mm-hmm. I was like oh, I'm just by like 60 40, 60 guys, 40 girls. But yeah. um, I flew right by that, that stepping stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that in college as well. I remember <laughs> my friends in in undergrad my friends were like um I I came out as bi to them like sophomore year and then junior year was the first time that I just I was talking to them and I had a gay friend and we were all and a lesbian friend and we were all hanging out in our dorm room and the word gay slipped out of my mouth referring to myself and they all just stopped what they were doing and looked at me and they were like (laughs) you said is, it is this the moment <laughs> i was like well guess i can't take it back now <laughs> it happened i mean that's what we need that's why like kids talking about representation as being a, like a weird thing now for gay people on tv that's why it was important we mm-hmm. didn't have that growing up there wasn't that yeah we didn't see it no yeah you saw very stereotypical and then there was no everyday there was no normal like there wasn't modern family to show just a regular mm-hmm. gay couple being in like a comedic family sitcom like there mm-hmm. there wasn't that there was will and grace yep <laughs> and queer eye but or not queer eye uh queer as folk but we didn't get yeah. hbo so i didn't see that until yeah. like five years ago <laughs> it wasn't until i think college was when i was doing like youtube searching for like gay tv shows that i found yeah. queer as folk and i found dante's cove and like yeah. all of those like terrible logo like early early <laughs> logo days so shows but we all watched them because that's all there was yeah and it was great it was and- shot like on a handheld camera <laughs> <laughs> Their budget was three thousand dollars. They had four Andrew Christian models acting. Yeah. <laughs> like, but but hey, there was an occasional penis that you could see. There were gay exactly. people kissing. It was it was everything. Yeah. It was everything. Yeah. Um. So what did you do for college? College. Um. I went to school and I got my degree in animal behavior. So Ooh. animal psychology, so that, yeah. So perfect. You fitted well in nightclubs. <laughs> exactly. So I know why everyone does what they do. Yeah, and that's what I did in California until I moved here to New York for a career change with my partner. So what is what does that mean? I don't know what what animals. Psych- um, I worked at zoos and aquariums, and we would care for the animals, and we would basically do re- non-invasive research. Research always sounds so scary when you talk about animals. Yeah. Um, in zoos. So, but, you know, we would do behavioral studies with them and watch them and learn from them and care for them and That's all that really fun stuff. so cool. Yeah. That's so Develop cool. Develop relationships with them. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was really amazing. It my was mom, definitely, that was my dream job. My mom was a docent at Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. So I basically grew up there. Um, okay. The, uh, so let's talk about zoos for a second because I never <laughs> used to talk about zoos. Yeah. So everything your mom did was basically <laughs> all the people she worked with was what I did. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Zookeeper, so animal cool. trainer, animal care specialist, depending on what facility you work at is what they called it. But yeah. I, I, zoos are such a weird topic anymore because I feel like so many people, they hear the word zoo or aquarium yes. and they're like, oh my God, that's evil. Then, you yeah. can't have that. It's terrible. And you're like, no, yeah. no you don't understand. Yeah. These places are built specifically for conservation and learning so that we can make... Exactly. I mean, anymore, when they started, sure, they were terrible when they started, but now we're yeah. kind of stuck with them. 
So they've been used yeah. to, to do amazing things now. Exactly. And I think you get more of that. Like you coming from like the West Coast, it, it was big. Like you, mm-hmm. like when I first started, like right out of college, I was young. I would go and say, oh, I work with these animals. I work with these animals. I work at this place. Like, you know, you can kind of brag about it. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. I wanted to do that ever since I was a kid. And then um, as the years went on, it was something where like I would tell my friends when we would go out, I'm like, don't. If anyone asks, say, like, I'm a plumber, say I do construction, because, because in California, it's, you know, they're extremely, like, uh, anti all of that. Hmm. So um, it really took, like, my dream job and really just, like, made it illegal, basically. So hence a career change. Yeah. Um, just for, like, my mental well-being. Um, but yeah, but zoos, zoos in America, like all accredited zoos, all accredited aquariums, mm-hmm. they are amazing. They do amazing research. They care for the animals. Great. And I love them and I will support them. And we're not talking Tiger King zoos. We're not talking. No, no. We're not, we're not talking, talking about, about that bullshit. Like the we're not Columbus about Zoo. Central Park Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Central Park Zoo is cute. It's an accredited zoo. It's very small. So yeah, I went there and I was like, this is cute. I still Sorry. haven't gone. I'm so nervous because every single picture I've ever seen is all the old pictures and I have no idea what oh. it actually looks like anymore. No, <laughs> it's actually, I've been to there and the Brooklyn Zoo, the one in Prospect Park and Central Park Zoo is, well, first all the hills in New York in Manhattan are in Central Park Zoo. Yep. So I'm like, <laughs> there's four exhibits. Why is everyone up the hill? <laughs> um, no, but they, um, they have an amazing uh, snow macaque exhibit with this huge waterfall. Snow macaques are the monkeys that from Japan that live in the water and yes. then like when it snows, this huge waterfall and they sit in the water and it's ginormous. They have a cool penguin hall. Um, they have, I think, grizzly bears in this beautiful, huge exhibit. Bears. They don't have many animals, but the ones they do, they're in beautiful mm-hmm. exhibits, houses, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that just made me so happy. I don't get to talk about animals <laughs> anywhere near as much as I would like. <laughs> I'm still very hesitant to like bring it up. Like it's been like so bad, you know, because you never know mm. how someone's going to react. Like they're going to be, oh, have you seen Blackfish? Well, I, th- I think, like, oh, oh, great. Okay, here we go. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very... <laughs> well, but SeaWorld's a completely different thing to an actual aquarium or a zoo because the aquariums and zoos anymore aren't trying to profit off of the animals any profit that comes in they're using for conservation they're using to study ways to help them they're not yeah. using oh, like, them as as money makers yeah it, it, I, I do think it's like a catch-22 because um to care for them and to you know gain access for the money to provide the research you have to have some kind of income yeah um and so and most people you know are stupid like you have it like most people won't go to the zoo because you know the monkeys will be sleeping i don't want to go to the zoo because the sea lion's just sleeping on the rock but they'll go to sea world because the sea lion will be swimming and doing the show yeah so it's it's the way i look at it coming from like a show background with animals is that we're trying to entertain you provide you good time but we're also trying to make that connection so like Mm -hmm. say i worked with a dolphin and his name is brisby he comes out on the show. He does a flip for you. We feed him a fish. I let you come down and touch him on the head. You've now made a connection with Brisby. Mm-hmm. So now when you go to the beach three months later and, you know, it says don't litter, you know, dolphins live in the ocean. You won't think, oh, I've never seen a dolphin. Or I went to the zoo yeah. and the dolphin was sleeping. Who cares? You're going to say, oh, I'm thinking of Brisby, that dolphin yeah. that I met, that I touched. You make that connection. And I think the shows started to make that connection 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got a little lost, you know, with very entertainment. And I think right now they're at the point where they're going back to being that really yeah. educational and just really providing that connection and driving that that connection home. Yeah. Um, because SeaWorld does do amazing, amazing research um, for for the animals that they care for and for the animals out in the wild too. Hmm. Um, they just had some bad luck. And I think they just had some poor PR management because they were definitely in a thing where it's like, we're not going to tell you anything we do behind the scenes. <laughs> and that never goes well. No, that doesn't go um, well you at def- all. You should always, you know, and now they're trying to be like an open book, but I think it's a little too late for mm. them. Um, yeah, so... I mean, the I'm, business technique is not a good business <laughs> strategy. I have two I'll water signs that. in my in my big three. So water is a big thing for me. Uh-huh. I used to go to aquariums as often as I could. Yeah. I don't I don't feel at home unless there's an ocean near me. I lived for three years in Montana yeah. and I almost died. Like it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Did you ever get up to Oregon at all? No, I've never been. Wait. Bend. Bend's in Oregon. So I've been to Bend. Okay. And there's the a, neighboring. There's an aquarium in Newport, Oregon, the Oregon Coast Aquarium. Uh-huh. That yes. changed my life. Um, that place, because I've seen pictures of it. It's, oh, it's amazing. It's magical. And I think, <laughs> I think what they did so well was they, a lot of their enclosures, they, they, they basically, it's an indoor outdoor aquarium. So they, yeah. It's it's almost a zoo with sea creatures, mm-hmm. and yeah, almost every enclosure has some way to be quote unquote underwater. So be able yeah. to see what's happening underwater instead of just coming from above it, but also being able to come from above it. Um, mm-hmm. And they have like sea otters and things like that, and constant tours going around. And of course, there's always the like the little pool that you can touch the animals and yeah <laughs> as a little child that was yeah, the, what? Thing. the best thing ever yeah. <laughs> touch every single starfish <laughs> every single one of them and like yeah find the one stingray that they're like you can touch that one because it doesn't have a right. stinger. <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh i'm gonna touch the dangerous thing <laughs> yeah oh <gasps> Yeah. So then you moved to New York and you said you had a career yes. change. Are you just a drag queen now or what what did no. you change your career to? Uh now I do hair. So I'm a hair colorist. Oh wow. That's cool. Yeah. So when I moved out here, I um I took like the first year to explore New York because I've never been here before. When my partner mm-hmm. was interviewing, um, I tagged along and I spent 48 hours here and that was my last time to New York. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if they're flying him out for an interview, like he's <laughs> getting the job yeah so it was kind of like you're gonna go and you're gonna like it and I loved it um and so I just experienced New York my first eight nine months and then I went to beauty school out here and I've been working in hair ever since I've been doing drag on the side yeah yeah it's it's full-time drag is very stressful especially here in New York it's extremely competitive and I think going from a job where you know you you have your schedule you have your pay the animals always need you so it was great to like this you're like if i don't get the booking mm-hmm. like you know do i not eat i don't know it's it was stressful so um no i do drag now once every other week but yeah pandemic it was it was a f- for fun and a night job to do mm-hmm. what was your first experience of new york like because new york from a west coast perspective is a very strange thing <laughs> i see i 
I feel like I've, it was dirty. First of all, it was dirty. There was trash <laughs> on the street. It was disgustingly dirty. I did not know it rained in the summer. I did not know it was humid here and I didn't know it snowed here. So those things are the what caught me off guard. Um, everything else I kind of just fell in love. Like I fell in love with the architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love just exploring the city. I mean, I took the whole first year just to do that, just to like walk around take city bikes, subway somewhere. Um, I really never left Manhattan, but I explored all of Manhattan. Um, yeah, I think the huge difference was like back at home, all the gay bars are in the Castro. So you can bar hop. Mm-hmm. Like me going out at night is like having drinks and just like running across the street through seven different bars. <laughs> and then if you wanted to go to like the mission, which is a five minute cab right away, like you can do that. And there's four bars over there. So here, like one of the biggest shocks was going out at night mm-hmm. and having to like get in a cab 20 minutes across town you know, and go to the village, go to Hell's Kitchen, go back down to the village. Like you can't bar hop. You kind of have to no. pick a place and stay. That's, yeah, that I mean, that's the biggest thing I miss about visiting LA. Cause when I would go there, I would, I always did the thing that all drag queens do. If you know you're going on vacation, you immediately start figuring out, okay, can I get some gigs while I'm there? Make some extra spending money. <laughs> Go-Go's do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, so I would do that every time I went to LA and I would sometimes have like three or four gigs in one night because you could just go from like, um, I'm forgetting all of their names now, but. Like Mickey's across the street yeah. city corner to Abbey. To the Abbey and then. And then to Boots and Saddle. Boots and Saddle. <laughs> you could just go everywhere. Revolver. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't do, I mean, you could, if you had gigs at like industry and hardware and therapy, you could like do those three at the same time. Or if you had gigs down in the village, you could do those at the same time. But God but help like, you if you had a gig at Monster and then had to run up to industry or something. Yeah. <laughs> Like Monster and Stonewall was like how close all the bars were. Mm-hmm. Like you have like Monster Stonewall and pieces, and then imagine every other bar was just in between. Yeah, pieces and Monster, like it was amazing for bar hopping. So it was, that and was a huge shock. All of them are better than Seattle, where it's like here's here's Capitol Hill, and you have one bar <laughs> way down here at the bottom, one bar in the middle, and one bar at the top. So you would never walk anywhere in drag because you had to at <laughs> least walk six blocks uphill to get to the next one <laughs> yeah heel heels and hills aren't good <laughs> no especially not that kind of hill seattle also, hills. no no go for it oh san francisco hills are bad too like yeah. that's the one thing i noticed too. like it's so flat here like yeah i was like this is walking is actually an option in new york but san francisco mm-hmm. you wouldn't walk because there's hills you have to like oh, yeah. uber everywhere Oh yeah, people never believe me when I'm like, oh yeah, in New York, I'll absolutely walk from like 59th Street all the way down to 34th Street just to like go shopping in between or like go to Central Park after I get some fabric or whatever. Next day, yeah. Seattle, you wouldn't, you could maybe walk two or three blocks, and if you really wanted to work out, you could walk farther. But otherwise, you were just, oh, it's it's hell. (laughs) Yeah. People don't I mean, understand. The the term skid row came from Seattle because it was the street that was so steep that they could skid uh-huh. logs down it to the to the water to send them <laughs> off to the next place. That Seattle is it's all in this giant hill. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of hills, speaking of San Francisco, mm. the last time I was in San Francisco, I was not smart and I didn't think about the geography and I only had flip-flops with me not just flip-flops I had those rubber flip-flops 
Like the Old Navy kind? Yeah, exactly. Like $3. <laughs> and my friends were like, we're going to walk up Telegraph Hill. I was like, okay, let's do it. I walked all the way up and all the way back down. My feet were torn up. Like, oh my God. Heels are no big deal to me anymore because <laughs> I, like, between my big toe and my next toe, this is, I'm not going to get super graphic, but it was, <laughs> it was. Terrible. It was like ripped and shredded. It was absolutely blistered. ripped and shredded and blistered. It was terrible. So that was my last experience with San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go back. It's a lot better than that. <laughs> Take a car next time. Bring tennis shoes. Yeah. So what brought you to New York? Why did you come here? I feel like that's a question um, I like to ask all New Yorkers. Because we all yeah, have such it, very different reasons. I, it was somewhere as like growing up, you always see like movies and TV shows in New York. So it's kind of somewhere I always wanted to go. And then doing my job before working at Zoos and Aquariums, it wasn't really transferable out here. So mm -hmm. it kind of was never really an option. It was a dream, but not an option. And then when me and my partner decided to move, it was like, okay, well, if I'm doing a career change, I can literally go anywhere. So, um, we already pay a lot of rent in California. So we just continue to pay lots of rent in New York. Um, yeah, and he's lived here before, so we moved here, and it was just kind of like always wanted to do it, and that was it. Like really yeah. easy, <laughs> no Broadway aspirations, no acting mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, but I did know that once I moved, I did want to just go, probably go to beauty school, and it, you know, here or LA are the two best places to do that to build a really strong yeah. career. So that was also a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I had I had the false idea that moving to New York that I could move to New York and just come for a year or two and then move on to the next place because I'm I have that kind of like wanderlust in me that I can never stay mm -hmm. in a place longer than a couple of years <laughs> and I was like I'll just move to New York for one or two years and now this is my third year and I'm just like my bank account is never gonna let me leave <laughs> this is not a city that lets you leave <laughs> and it's so expensive to move like we're like should we yeah. move for cheaper rent because of the pandemic and it's like no, well, we can't afford like first and last month's rent, let alone to like get a moving company of movers to move our apartment. Like I don't have eight grand just laying around. Well, and I have, I used to live down in Flatbush and then uh -huh. I tried desperately to leave the country and move to the UK last year because I was just like, this is, <laughs> I'm tired. I, I want out. And so I put most of my stuff in a storage unit in Brooklyn moved cool. to the UK then everything happened I moved back and now everything's still in the storage unit because hiring a truck or movers or something to get it from Brooklyn to Queens is crazy it's so expensive it's so unnecessary like, I now expensive. understand why like people like have a mattress on the floor yeah. live out of boxes and like if it doesn't fit like in a taxi you don't take it with you yeah like I completely understand that now my my first year here, like, you see people, like, with a lamp on the subway, and you're like, that's a weird thing to, like, carry on the subway. Why not yeah. just, like, you know, have it shipped to you? But now that I'm here, yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God, okay. I'm going to – I have to go to the garment district, so I'm just going to bring my giant suitcase with me and sit there and have, like, my backpack <laughs> with me and just – I did, I literally did that today. I was like, okay, I got to bring my big backpack because I'm going to go fabric shopping today. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you just have to learn to like trek everything with you 
Oh yeah. Wait, where did you go fabric shopping today? I was I was on 39th Street. <laughs> I was on 37th Street. Um, I had to go get feathers. So I'm working on a project for a little video shoot and I needed ostrich feathers to do this like, what is it a bandolero, bandero? What's the little like jacket cover? Thing? Oh, uh, bolero. Bolero, there we go. Yes. <laughs> like a little bolero. I only remember because there's a piece of music called bolero. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was with a B, and I was like, I know it's yeah. not Bandolero, but that's all I got. Um, no, I had to get some feathers, and I'm working on another project that required feathers, too. So I basically did that, and then just was trying not to buy anything else. But that's, like, the story. Like, I'm going to go for this one yard of fabric, like, ten yards later. I'm like, damn it. It's so... I, that's something I will say that's my my favorite part of moving to New York because back in Seattle we only had like Joanne Fabrics and maybe like a couple little fabric stores here and there um that were very very expensive like anything that wasn't Joanne Fabrics it was like you if you went into them you assumed it was going to be like $30 a yard or more <laughs> and so moving here I was like the garment district I don't want to go to all of these little places like that's going to be terrible like yeah. isn't there just a place where I can get everything all in one place and so I yeah. used to try to go to mood all the time. And I'm just like, why am I doing this to myself? So expensive. It's expensive. The zippers break constantly. <laughs> like when you watch like, Project Runway and you're like, why do their zippers always break? It's because they buy them at mood. <laughs> well, I feel like that's everyone's first, like when you're like doing drag or like you're sewing, like you go to mood, you see it on TV, you go to mood. It's huge. It's very impressive. You spend way too much. And then, like, then you learn, like, mm -hmm. this is the shop for zippers. This is the shop for, like, stretch fabric. This is the shop for feathers. Yep. This is my trimming shop. And, like, now you can get in and out of the garment district in, like, 15 oh, yeah. minutes. And, oh, like, yeah. hit all four blocks. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like, the first time I went, you don't know how to haggle. You're like, how much is this? $25? Okay. Yeah. And now you're like, how much is this? $25? It was 15 at the other store. <laughs> I always then, you know, like, you so learn, bad like, about haggling. Like, I'm the worst because I'm... I'm such a like nice West Coast person that I'm just like, okay, it's okay. I'll, I'll pay it. It's fine. But then there was one day where someone, I just needed some like organza or something. And it was like an iridescent organza. And the guy was like, it's $15 a yard. And I just kind of gave him this look of like, mm, I'm probably not going to get it then. And he was like, $8, $8. I'll give it to you for $8. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> Apparently I have a superpower now. <laughs> yeah like once you get like that feeling that rush of like mm -hmm. like whatever it's bartering like you're like oh okay i got this this is good and then you know the stores too that you can go to to like that are great at bartering and if you mm -hmm. buy like a yard or less you don't barter yeah you know but like if you need five yards say you need three mm -hmm. and then it's like ten dollars a yard and then be like could you do six can you do seven what if mm -hmm. i buy five like yeah. <laughs> or like you, or you start going to those same stores all the time and like there's the store I went into today is the store that I always go yeah. into and so at this point like they know my name they know like what part of town I live in they know everything about <laughs> me and I know everything about them yeah. and so they just have started like being like a special price for you I'll just give it like four dollars <laughs> off I don't care if, if you buy it. another yard of it, I'll give you $20 off the whole bunch. <laughs> okay, great. Just kill the roll. Just kill the roll. <laughs> this has been sitting here forever. Please take it. <laughs> yes, I love those places. It's great. And they always like, what'd you make this time? What'd you make this time? And you get to show them the picture and yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's so cool. 
if if you're listening and you've never been to the New York Garment District and you live in New York, what's wrong with you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is the hot spot for drag queens. You will go and you will always run into at least one drag queen at a drag there. Always, always. And it's always. usually at one of the trimming stores. Like, mm-hmm. I hate going to Pacific Trimming because it's the, the like, most, exp- it's the Joanne Fabrics of the trimming stores. But yeah, it's the mood fabric of trimming. Like yeah. it's overpriced. It's very pretty, very well lit. But like, and it, but it's so hard for finding. Yeah, no, not even ten dollars. Like, cents. yeah, they're they're literally. I was looking at just it was a closed end, like regular old plastic zipper, and it was like fifteen dollars. I was like, are you? I could go down to Sill, and this is two seventy five. What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> But Daytona there's always has the best zippers. Oh, yeah. Daytona is great. Uh, B and Q yeah. is where you go if you want rhinestones Daytona. or or um, fringe. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Oh my god, <laughs> best part of New York. I do need to explore yes. more though. When you were talking about like spending the first several months of being here just exploring, I never did that. Mm-hmm. I like I got really? here and spent like a month just sitting on my couch decompressing <laughs> from life in general, eating way too much ice cream, and then spent another month trying to find a job and then just hit the ground running. <laughs> and so I never did that. And now I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm in New York. What am I doing? Yeah. It's get a city bike. <laughs> it, like it's city literally bike a around. 20 minute train ride for me. I live in Astoria now. It's a 20 minute train ride to get to Central Park or literally anywhere. Yeah. So what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, like the when the pan the heat of the pandemic, like that was the like I would I was out exploring again because like no yeah. one was on the street. Like yeah. I was like in Grand Central Station, there was like me and five other people. I was like, yeah, one, this is creepy, and two, <laughs> when will I ever see this again? Yep. There was like me and like five police officers in Times Square. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, Times is Square is still like if you hit it like a good time to hit Times Square now is like 11 a.m. Like before lunchtime mm-hmm. and before work lets out because there aren't any mm-hmm. tourists in the city anymore. And New Yorkers no. hate Times Square. Like yeah. we do not go into Times Square. So if you want to go into Times no. Square, this is the perfect time because there's no one there and you can just like bask mm-hmm. in it for a second and then walk through. <laughs> exactly. Like you have to go there once when you move to New York. Mm-hmm. Three minutes there and you're like, I got it. I'm done. I We're get good. it. We're good. Let's go. Yeah. Have you have you watched <laughs> uh Pretend It's a City on Netflix? No. Oh my god, you have to. It's uh Fran Lebowitz <laughs> and Martin uh-huh. uh, Martin Scorsese did this. Uh-huh. It's basically seven episodes about living in New York. Just a, it's a comedy show about living in New York. Uh-huh. And it's so funny. And she just talks about things like people leaving bags next to them on the subway and like not clutching them as they're sitting on the subway because they somehow trust that people on the subway aren't going to steal them from <laughs> you. I'm like, I, I, I'm one of those people. I'm always clutching my bag. <laughs> like if I have my backpack and it's off my back, it's like in front of me or like Times Square. Why are there lounge chairs in Times Square? Who wants to lay there? It's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. So gross. I've had like, friends yeah. come visit me and be like, I'm going to lay in this chair. I'm like, no, don't do that. Like 10 people have peed on that. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? exactly it's so gross it's so gross 
Yeah. And then to hear people talking about how New York is so clean now, and I'm like, oh God, what was it like in the 80s? Like, if this is clean. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, no. No. Uh, it's, it's, com- coming from the West Coast, it is disgusting. Like the summer is reek of sweat and piss. Like the only place I've been to that smells worse. It doesn't smell worse. It smells equally as bad, just different, was <laughs> New Orleans. Like, New Orleans is beer and piss, baked in heat. This that is like sense. piss and trash, baked in heat. Yeah, but and when I first moved here disgusting. was in August, and I yeah. didn't know that people just put their garbage on the sidewalks. And mm-hmm. summer in New York is literally just baking garbage. Like I moved here in July. Love the people. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm here. I want out, but I'm glad I'm here. But baking Mm -hmm. garbage. (laughs) And coming like from the West Coast where like everything had to be in its own bag and the lids had to be trashed and like heaven forbid, like you put one can in the garbage. Like here it's just like thrown on the street. Yeah. what happens at the back of the send people and they just leave it yeah in seattle they used to send people around like checking your garbage to make sure that the right things were in the right cans and the right bags until they were told that was unconstitutional but <laughs> like and then i came here and it's just everywhere and it's such a mm-hmm. weird thing to me it's like where are the dumpsters yeah. where are the garbage why can't we have a can out there i don't understand yep yeah huge culture shock huge culture shock yeah so we've made it through through a year of a pandemic so far or almost a year Mm -hmm. what are some things you have learned about yourself through this pandemic jeez Um, (laughs) just like you know light easy question (laughs) what have i learned about i mean it's not what I learned. It's just the things I already knew that, like, I tried to change now that I had time. That's fair. I can be very lazy. So, like, the first <laughs> half, I was very lazy. Like, days would go by, and I wouldn't know what day it was. Um, uh, oh, my God. What did I learn about myself? <laughs> How to just survive? <laughs> like, that. Mm. I mean, that was it. Like, that was just, like, the weird thing. It was just, like, what do you do? Like, you know, like, doing drag, you're, like, like I think I bought like $60 worth of fabric at the very beginning and I sewed every single last scrap of fabric that I had and I took apart things I already made just was I was just like trying to stay busy so like I was like I was just I was just doing anything to like feel normal yeah like that's that's it that's all I remember from like the first six months was just like (laughs) surviving it wasn't fun I made some cool outfits though. I made I started That's making good. things I wouldn't normally wear, which is great. That's very good. Yeah, I've definitely I've seen my sewing skills. Even as a designer, I've seen my sewing skills like leaps and bounds, grow leaps and bounds <laughs> over the last several months just because I that's all I'm doing anymore. Right. <laughs> all to take a picture and you're like, "Well, that was great." <laughs> that I, was 2 I weeks of work and I got I've literally started making outfits that you can't see, like they don't exist below the waist. Like I'm, I'm like, why? Yeah, no. Like there's no reason to. <laughs> no so reason. I could just buy a yard of fabric and make a really cool top, and it looks like a gown. <laughs> like people will just assume exactly. it's a gown if I play it off right. <laughs> exactly. And like, my, I mean, 
I my Stasi's been taking my pictures, but like it's also to the point where like you spend all this time and money and effort into this really cool outfit, then like <laughs> you know you get a bunch of pictures, and you get like maybe three good ones, which is great, but you're like, well, I can't post three pictures of the same look so like i mean why not (laughs) i literally every time i get a drag right (laughs) every time i get a drag i like set up the circle light i figure out what background i'm gonna use literally and by background i mean any scraps of fabric uh, that i can find (laughs) that are a good color that i can tack (laughs) against the wall and then take i i literally will take anywhere from like 25 to 50 pictures of it just just like to make myself feel like there is a reason to get into drag that's the worst part about doing drag for like just a picture at home by yourself it's just like <laughs> you feel the full fantasy then you're like random snap like 50 pictures and you're like okay well i guess that's it i'll find myself <laughs> like, like crying watching it off like, yeah. what I'll find myself like doing it before dinner and then like taking it off, but then keeping the face on and just like cooking dinner and watching TV with a full face <laughs> of makeup. Because <laughs> I just feel so weird taking it off after like half an hour. Yeah, it's the weirdest feeling. Like all the hype. And then you're just like, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'd much rather be like five in the morning. I'm drunk, stumbling home, <laughs> ripping my heels off, like falling asleep in full face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Waking up and being like, well, I guess I'm washing my sheets again because there's makeup all over them. (laughs) I miss that so much. (laughs) I honestly do, too. I never thought I would, and I really do. Yeah. Like, the first couple weeks are nice. Like, lots of sleep. I got to sleep in. Didn't have to go to work. And then after that, I was just like, I want to go out. I just Mm want to go out and be drunk, messy. I want to, like, get dressed up, go out, and have people, like, compliment me on my makeup. Like yeah. that's all I want. <laughs> I want to have someone buy me a drink because they think I'm pretty, and then I can take it yes. and go sit in the dressing room and not talk to them. Like <laughs> that is what I want. I was like, oh wow, your hair's so big. Did you do your own makeup? And I could say yes. Get a drink. <laughs> I'm like, walk away. I stand in front of a bar and smoke. That's all. Wow, I wow, you do your makeup so much better than me, and I'm a real girl. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, I can tell. <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> I think the 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 thing I'm most proud of myself for learning during the pandemic is uh, I I have found that I'm someone, and I I kind of knew this, but I didn't knew the know the extents to which this worked for me. But I'm someone that needs audio um stimulation constantly so like i fall asleep to tv shows i always have the tv running while i'm working stuff like that but then like realizing oh if i'm going on a walk i will get bored after half an hour trying to get cardio unless i'm listening to a two hour long podcast so i gotta find all these podcasts that are like two hours long and then i started (laughs) applying that to other little parts of my life until uh the other day I was like I need a podcast to listen to while I'm brushing my teeth and I literally I searched it and there are two podcasts that are made for little kids that are two minutes long they're like five minutes <laughs> they're two minutes long and every 30 seconds they're like okay change the quadrant in your mouth and it's like little jokes and things like that and I was like this is what I needed in my life what have I been doing oh, oh my god just finding little things to keep yourself amused while you're alone. <laughs> I mean, 
I, I, I kind of relate because like I did develop like the NPR podcast, which is like 15 minutes <laughs> for shower time. Yeah. Do that, like shower. And then I do my normal like fun drag podcast on the way to and from work. And then at mm-hmm. night I have like like B, C-list podcast. So like, <laughs> I don't, I, I like, I sleep with the sound on, but mm-hmm. if I like fall asleep, I don't go back and like re-listen to the episode. Yeah. So like, yeah, I have like all those like kind of separate categories for the types of podcasts I've- that I love. I've tried podcasts for falling asleep. Like, I think it's the Sleep With Me podcast is the one where the guy has, uh-huh. like, the really droning voice and he, like, talks, says the same things over and over and over again so that you can fall asleep. Uh-huh. I've tried it and my mind is just like, wait, I want to catch those moments where he says the same things. <laughs> and so it just keeps me awake. So I just watch Parks and Rec over and over and over. And <laughs> it's kind it's, of the same thing. Because yep. everyone's seen it so much that, like, if you fall yep. asleep, you don't miss anything because you know exactly what happens. Yep. There are three shows that are like that for me. I could do Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, um, actually four shows, excuse me, Desperate Housewives and Ugly Betty. I could turn on any episode of those, fall asleep just fine because I can see the show in my head if I hear it. (laughs) Right, you dream about it. You dream and pick up right where you left off. Do I want to like dream an Amy Poehler or do I want to have America (laughs) Ferreira this time? (laughs) Um, Well... I think we're coming to the end, but uh, how will people find you online? How how can they support you? Yeah, um, Instagram's like my main go-to social media. So Instagram at v.thick, uh, thick with two C's because I'm super cool. <laughs> um, Insta- or, uh, um, 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 Twitter is Virginia Thick. Um, if you want to support me, I have some merch out that just came out a couple weeks ago at Drag Queen Merch. So you can go to that, buy a t-shirt or a hoodie. Um, have a couple projects coming out soon in a couple months. So I'll be posting all that on Instagram and I'm really excited. Fantastic. Yeah, I've been seeking my teeth into Twitter a lot more recently because it's it's fun. Like if you can find your mm-hmm. way out of the like dark complainy side of twitter and just like have fun with the people you enjoy it's it's a very good experience (laughs) it's great i feel my instagram is very like i want it to look a certain way so i put too much into it and twitter i'm just like fuck this (laughs) who cares i have 200 followers i'm gonna say whatever i want and post twitter twitter's become my like way of practicing okay when i'm on the mic again what jokes will work <laughs> exactly, and Instagram's like very polished. Each caption's perfectly planned. Yeah, out. yeah. Though yeah. so you follow me on both because you're gonna see both sides of this. One, and I'll be perfect. really nice, and then I'll be like a complete dumb sloppy bitch. So perfect. And you all know where to find us. Uh, if you're listening, hopefully you've already subscribed. If you haven't, please subscribe. Uh, and when you're listening, please download first uh, because that helps us bump us up in the algorithm and we all serve the algorithm now. So that's an important thing. The algorithm. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's fun. been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we will see you all later. Yeah, bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week, same place, same time.
Yeah. Bye. Bye.